Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by Living Word Church. We trust that as you hear the Word of God preached, you'll be encouraged and equipped to love God and do His will. If you're looking for a church home, please feel free to visit our Sunday morning worship service at 10 a.m. or visit our website at www.livingwordchurch.cc. And now for our message. back, right? Chuck, while you're singing today, I was reminding a moment many years ago when I told Chuck he couldn't sing, he had to play the trumpet. So glad I repented of that notion. (laughs) You're a real blessing to us. Um, Hey, how how many people remember our Bible verse from a couple weeks ago? Anybody? Uh, It's accountability moment. You ready? All right. Uh, I just want to just bring it back to your memory, because if you don't bring it back periodically, it goes away. It just goes. It's like your locker combination in high school. <clears throat> goes away. All right, ready? Joshua 1.8. Are we ready? Do I need to, like, section us off, or do you think we can do it together? Like, Yo, please do not section us off. All right, then let's go. Keep this book of the law always on our lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Nice, not bad, about a third of you. Let's, uh, let's meditate on that in our prayer as we go into God's word. Because it says that if we keep God's word always on our lips, always before us, meditating on it in our hearts, regular, that God will bring prosperity and success to our lives. So Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, God, as it's been sung, as we've been admonished by Jay today, as as Chuck has sung it to us. God, thank you for your word. God, we want to keep it always on our lips. We want to be people present in your word. God, we want to read it between Sundays, not just to hear the pastor or to see it on the wall, but God, to to let it be our reality during the week. God, we ask that this morning as we go through your word, that your word would go through us. Change us, God. Add to us that which is lacking. Subtract from us that which doesn't belong. And Lord, we pray that you would cause us to be prosperous and successful in all that we do and how we live for the kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. You agree? Amen. Amen. All right, so uh, I decided this week that I'm going to do two sermons building up to Taste and See. How many people have ever participated in Taste and See, right? How many people know where that is in the Bible, where it says, Taste and See, that the Lord is good? Shout it out. Where is it from? Psalm 34. Praise the Lord. Someone knows her Bible. It's good. So this morning, we're going we're gonna to read from Psalm 34, and I want to use it as a preparation time for your heart and your mind and kind of for your thinking, because taste and see is only like 10 days away, right? It's really close. And so taste and see is a wonderful thing. We, we have a picnic in the parking lot. It's super chill, lots of food. <clears throat> Normally, we've got to figure out the basketball hoop's kind of been demolished, but we're working on that. But the kids come, they ride their bikes, we play bags, and we just get time together, visit with one another. And it's an incredible time to invite people 
to come and just enjoy a little bit of the flavor of the church of the Lord, right? Some of you, Taste and See was your first touch at Living Word Church. And you're here today, and God did an amazing work in your life because somehow Taste and See brought you here. I'm excited about that. Are you guys excited about that? I mean, I'm excited about the potential, yeah. How many people will be having their first encounter, or maybe second or third encounter, with the church at Taste and See? Yeah. I, I remember uh, Tiffany and Brian Wells. They came. Bryson was, like, this big. Well, he wasn't square. He was this big. <clears throat> but I pushed him around in his stroller because he was fussy. So I said, can I take him for... Anyway, and we had that encounter, and then they didn't show up for a couple years, and sure enough, they came back. <clears throat> They're like, we, we're not going back there. The pastor kidnaps children. No, that's, that's not why. But it was a point in their life where it was an access point to the grace of God. And that's what taste and see is. For us, we come and we gather, and we, we have amazing time just fellowshipping and eating and just being together as a church. It's wonderful. But it's also this touch point of the grace of God to our community. There are people from the neighborhoods that come every year. They're actually the first ones here. Some of them show up around 4.30. They just sit there and watch Glenn grill the hot dogs. And... But I want you ready. How about we're ready for Taste and See this year? How about our hearts get filled with faith? How about our... our our invitations start to go out earlier. How about we begin to pray that God uses that simple little picnic on the parking lot to be a place of grace for some people. All right, so today is my attempt to begin to prepare you for that. So let's read Psalm 34. Jay interestingly read it this morning to exhort us before worship. I'll be reading out of the NIV. He read the ESV, but it says the same thing. Verse 1, it goes like this. For I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Do you recognize that? His praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. His praise will ever be on my lips. See, you're, you're memorizing scripture all the time. Now you can say, yeah, we reviewed Joshua 1.8, and I learned... Psalm 34. I will extol the Lord at all times. Lord, your praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I just want to pull out several, just let's go through this, through several of the verses, line by line a little bit, and let's draw some of the heart 
of the psalmist as he speaks to us as we're learning to see the goodness of God, to taste and see, to just get a glimpse of the goodness of God in our lives and the goodness of God invited to the world. The first thing I, I want us to see, and we just sang it a little bit, I will extol the Lord at all times. I will extol the Lord at all times. It speaks of a devotion to God, doesn't it? It speaks of like, you know what, Lord, your praise will always be on my lips. Your, I will extol you. I will worship you. That idea of extol is the idea of I will bless you, Lord. It means speaking well of. Like if someone comes to bless you, or when the Lord comes to bless you, he speaks well of you. He doesn't say you're my enemy. He says you're my beloved. You're my child. The Lord doesn't come and say, I condemn you. He says, I've forgiven you. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And when we say, I will extol the Lord, we're saying, I will speak well of the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. There is this deep and wonderful devotion that's being expressed here. And sometimes it's helpful to me. I step back and say, what are the things that I'm devoted to, right? I mean, it's a, it's a somewhat cheap shot, low blow, all of a sudden. But you can pull up screen time on your phones. We're devoted to, to phones. Our devotion to our phone is significant, right? I dare one of you to put your phone down for three days. You see if the world doesn't come to a, just, a, just crashing down. Our devotion, it lies in these places, and we don't always intentionally do it. I mean, there are things we should intentionally be devoted to, right? Be devoted to your spouse. Always speak well of her. Speak blessing over her. Speak well of her when you're with her. Speak well of her when you're not with her. There, there are devotions. You need to stop and analyze your devotions every once in a while. What are you devoted to? I'll tell you, one of the things that, that we are all devoted to, that's speaking well of ourselves. Right? Making sure that we're always putting forth and making people believe that everything is good with us. We are committed to that. I mean, it takes a pretty serious crisis to actually expose our shortcomings. It's kind of sad, actually. Many people live in what the uh, author long ago called this quiet desperation. Inside, things are collapsing, but on the outside, we're just trying to make sure everyone thinks everything's fine. But the, the scriptures here, they redirect us, and they say, let your praise, let your devotion to God be significant. Always speaking well of him, always giving him praise, always reminding yourself and telling others of the wonders and the great grace that you've experienced in the Lord. I will extol the Lord at all times. You know, the taste and see event, it really is an expression of devotion. I mean, I'd like you to think of it as an expression to say, Lord, this is, this is our devotion to you. Lord, we're doing taste and see so that we can speak well of you. 
It's not just about the logistics and the potluck and the setting up and the tearing down and who can I talk to there, who won't I talk to there, who will I avoid, who will I kind of sit at the table every week all the time and not speak to anyone else. It's not about us. Taste and see is not supposed to be about you getting your stomach filled, right? Or climbing the wall just to prove that you can still do it at 55 years old, up the wall. Taste and see is about our devotion to God. Lord, we want an opportunity. We want to create a platform where we can speak well of you. Lord, we're just looking for an excuse to say how good you've been to us. How faithful you've been in the difficult times as well as the good times. God, you've been faithful. We're going to have a picnic so we can talk about it. Some of you, like, you cut in line. You pile your plate up with so much food, the guy behind you, generally me, I can't tell you how many tastes and seeds I've not eaten at. Although, Laura Hogan's always good at saving me some of her tater tot green bean casserole, which is a favorite of mine. You piled your plate so full of food, you're not thinking of the other guys. You're not thinking of the next one. There might be an elderly gentleman waiting in line in the hot heat, and you're just glad that you're in front of him. Come on now. Taste and see is not an opportunity for you to fill your plate, right? And hang out with your friends. Taste and see is an opportunity for us to share about the goodness of God. Hey, sir, in the back of the line, I don't know you. I, it's so good to meet you. I'm glad you're here. Won't you come take my place? It's hot out here. Elevate the Lord. Let your devotion to God be evident. Let your love for the other be a showcase and a testimony. How are they going to taste and see that the Lord is good if you eat all their food and make them stand in line a long time? There's nothing good about those things. Taste and see is about being the host, not the guest. Taste and see is about declaring something wonderful about God in the smallest, most practical ways. Taste and see is about making enough food, not just for yourself and for your family, but for whoever comes. Like this casserole, that'll feed us because we're six. I better make three more. Because i got to feed us, and I'm going to feed everyone else too. I mean, some of you won't make castles at all. You'll just come, and you'll visit, and you'll give a different testimony. That's wonderful. But if your thing is cooking and bringing food, you want to be a blessing, want to be the host, do it generously. When someone asks, who made all the mac and cheese? You'd be like, I did, because God's generous, and I love to share the macaroni and the cheese. Right? Plus, Carly's eating for two. She's going to take her share. <laughs> Baby. Let taste and see be this exhibit of devotion to God. An exhibit of, to speak, to declare, to extol, to praise the Lord. That his praise will ever be on your lips, not just in this room, not just in your car as you're humming that melody, but as you're meeting people and talking to friends, reaching beyond your normal social boundaries to encourage and to testify. 
The second thing we see in the scripture is this. It says, I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. That is such a precious combination of verses. Because if you look at it, it starts out saying, I will glory in the Lord. He's making a declaration. He's saying, look, as for me, I'm going to glory in the Lord. I'm just going to bask in his presence. I'm going to receive from God. I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to obey his precepts. I'm going to be prosperous and successful. I am going to, I'm all in, Lord. Right? And then it ends with let us exalt the Lord together. Can you see the progression there? I will glory in the Lord and let us exalt him together. It moves from the individual to the corporate group, to the people. And it just shows that to taste and see that the Lord is good, it is an inviting and an inclusive activity. Inclusive activity. You know, when we, uh, I love, one of my favorite things to do in the church is our newcomers class, right? Anybody been through the newcomers class lately? Some of you need to get back through it again. <laughs> Seriously. You've been here so long you forgot. Anyways, here's a little taster. When we get through all the, ta- the, the, the sessions, we come to the end and we say, because it's all about learning to kind of set your expectations right, but what does it mean to be a part of Living Word Church? Because everyone comes from different church backgrounds. Some people come from no church backgrounds. And we all, every single one of us, have crazy ideas in our head about church. So discovering living word is about synchronizing your watches. What is church really about? And at the end, we come and we make four basic statements about what does it mean to belong to living word church. And number four is this. I will serve the mission of my church. And to describe what does it mean to serve the mission of our church... It means, if you just say these simple three things, I will pray for others. Now that sounds very simple, and yet it can be very difficult for people to pray for others, to remember to pray, <clears throat> to make time to pray for others. The second thing is by inviting and welcoming people to the church. What it means to be part of Living Word Church is to say, I'm going to take an active role in inviting others. The power of the invitation is significant. If you invite someone over to your house to feed them or to sit in the backyard and splash in the pool or just to have a cup of coffee, it is an honoring activity. If I invite you into my home, to my table, it's an honor. I hope, is it an honor? Would you be honored? Some of you are like, no, I don't want to be invited to your house. That's okay. You can have me to your house. It'll be just the same. I'll be honored. But there is something about that to saying, look, you're desired. I would love to have you over. The power of the invitation is very, very significant in everyday life and in special events like Taste and See. Because it's an inclusive notion. It's like you're not on the outside. No, you belong with us. You belong here. Don't feel like an outsider. I don't want you to feel like a visitor, not for long. But the idea is that hearts that are devoted to Jesus are also devoted to loving other people. And that we get this idea that we want to be an inclusive place. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how much money you have. Doesn't matter how much trouble you bring with you. Doesn't matter what color you are or what language you speak. It's about saying, you know what? 
by way of invitation, I honor you and I invite you. Come be a part. And so to be a part of Living Word Church is to carry the responsibility of invitation and inclusion. John Lightsell, he used to be a pastor here. He's pastor at Mercy Hill now, part of the plant outs. Um, we used to do this class together, and he used to love to tell the story <clears throat> that when um, one day or one year he came back, went back home to his parents' house for Thanksgiving, and his brother had brought a date, right? And he makes the distinction. He says, well, it wasn't up to me whether or not she got invited. <laughs> that was his choice. But it was up to me whether or not she got included. Yeah. Yeah. I've always, it's always been a, yeah. You have to make both decisions. Just because you didn't invite someone doesn't mean you have the option not to include them. As a matter of fact, if I bring someone to this church, I'm counting on you to include them. I'm praying, Lord, please don't let them be rude to my friend. Lord God, I pray, right? Don't let them get offended or leave there and say, yeah, no one said hi to me or talk to me. And I also pray, Lord, don't let them be overwhelmed. Let it be socially perfect, <laughs> which is pretty impossible. But that's my desire if I invite someone. But then you have the responsibility to welcome. You understand the point. I will glory in the Lord, but let us exalt him together. Amen. Taste and see is about the invitation, folks. The scripture, Romans 15, it says, accept one another, just as Christ accepted you. The heart of God is inclusive. The heart of God says, I want you to belong. The heart of God says, I will, I will look past a multitude of sins so that you might come and have your life transformed. God doesn't judge us as our sins deserve. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, those who come to him with respect and honor and desire to be close. Won't we do the same? The third thing is this. Verse 4, it says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Uh, first I ask you to look at verse four. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all of my fears. I, I wanna apply this directly to our little outreach, directly to our community event, Taste and See, and I wanna ask you to seek the Lord. Specifically, intentionally. Say, Lord, what role shall I pay, taste, and see? Lord, how can, I, how can I make an impact? Who can I invite? Lord, give me someone to invite. Lord, I've invited all the people I know, and they've all said no. Give me someone new. Let me meet someone in the line at grocery store. When I run out of gas or get a flat tire, let the person coming to help me, let me invite them. Let me come across a moment, Lord, I'm seeking you a divine appointment where I can invite someone. Or maybe, Lord, just put someone on my heart. Let me begin to pray and pray them in, pray them in, pray them in. Let me do spiritual warfare because they are so gripped with their own sin and chaos and whatever of their own busyness of their own life. Let me begin to pray and intercede. Who is it, Lord, that I can pray 
to have access to grace, to taste and see. I want you to seek the Lord about it. Not just wait for August to come, forget that it was happening at the last minute, reschedule and try to get here before it closes. I want you to seek the Lord. And if there's fear for you, if there's fear about talking about the Lord to others or inviting or making the invitation, fear of rejection, just an insecurity, fear you don't know the right answers or what to say, or it'll get you involved in some weird, chaotic, antagonistic discussion about religion and politics. That would scare anybody. And if you're not afraid of that, there's something wrong with you. Seek the Lord. He will deliver you from your fears. How many people would just love to be delivered of their fear of sharing about the Lord? It's real. It's present. Because you've captured something, you've experienced something that others haven't. The scriptures even said that, that the gospel of the kingdom is foolishness to those who are still in darkness. It doesn't make sense. So we shouldn't expect people to say, oh yeah, you know what, I've always been wanting that all my life. I just didn't know how. That probably won't be, I hope that's your response. But overcoming the fear and saying, you know what, I've sought you, Lord. I'm going to step out. You're going to deliver me from my fear. And I'm going to go speak well of God to someone else. That's all it is. Speak well of the Lord to someone who doesn't already speak well of him. God wants to do a transforming work in your life. This isn't just about getting people to taste and see. This is about us being a community of people that have faith and courage and are willing to make the invitation and do the welcome and speak well of the Lord to others so that others can taste and see that the Lord is good. The issue is real. We need to be changed, transformed. Not just content with who we are, but say, Lord, there's a mission in the heart of God that the grace of God be proclaimed all around the nations and certainly our neighborhoods. And Lord, somehow I need to be a vehicle of that. I need to be an ambassador of the grace of God. I need to be an inviter. I need to be a welcomer. And some of you are unwilling or feel out of your depth. Verse 4 says, if you seek him, he will deliver you from your fear. Please don't say, well, that's just not my job. That's someone else's job. God wants to do a unique and profound work in each of us. We all need to get to the place where his praise will ever be on our lips. You can't sing this song and say, Lord, my, your praise will always be on my lips unless I'm in the presence of someone who doesn't agree. That's not ever be. Lord, your praise will always be on my lips until I begin to feel a little uncomfortable. Trust me, that is holy discomfort. Embrace it. Embrace it. Make your prayer seeking the Lord. Lord, help me to feel comfortable in the discomfort. Help me know, Lord, put me in a place where I'm not offensive, but I'm certainly not afraid. Seek him. He'll deliver you from all of your fears. And verse 5, it says this. I love this. Those who look to him are radiant. Those who look to him are radiant. I took a photo of myself recently, as I do. I like to do. Enjoy photos of myself. Can, 
It's not true. Can you put that photo up? Right? That's fine. Do you feel that I'm radiant in that photo? Nah, you're just being gracious. All right, put up the next one. Compare and contrast. Come on. Bring on the radiance. Part of my radiance there is I've been sweating profusely for four hours. So it's kind of a holy glow. But go back to the first one. What's the difference between that photo and this photo? Thank you, Taji. The lighting. When I am facing the light, I am radiant. Oh, you see me every crack and crevice and drop of sweat. It's evident. I am so glad I flossed my teeth that morning. Right, right, right. But when my back is to the light, when my back is to the light, I don't radiate. You can barely see me. And that's a shame. <laughs> the moon has no light of its own. It only reflects and radiates the light of the sun. Ladies and gentlemen, we have no light of our own. We simply radiate the light of King Jesus. And when you look towards him, when your face is to the light, when you are facing the Lord, are you with me now? You're radiant. But when you turn your back, or when you turn sideways, and the light is behind you, there's nothing radiant. As a matter of fact, you just kind of blur into the background. The scripture says, those who come to him, those who stand before the Lord, those who look to the Lord, eyes forward, full on, Lord, I'm in front of you. Those are the beautiful people who are radiant. Why? Because they're reflecting the Lord. There's no pressure to be somebody when you're radiating the Lord. There's no pressure to impress there's no obligation to conjure up some clever or wonderful thing that will impress. Listen, if, you're, if you look into the Lord, he is your radiation. Wait, in a good way. He is the glory. And you simply reflect his glory. I mean, maybe in preparation for taste and see and just as a thing of repentance in your own life, you need to turn back more full on to the Lord. So, Lord, I need to start looking to you. Not looking to this or looking to that. Looking to this over here when the Lord's here. Lord, I need to look to you. How many people are feeling a correction? That when you're really honest, you take your cues from somewhere else. You take your cues from a news station. You take your cues from some commentator. You take your cues from some person that you emulate, or maybe you take your cues from just some old thing that happened in your past that shouldn't even control you today, and yet that tends to be the driving force in your life. This person disappointed me, so I'll never trust again. I got so hurt in that situation, I can't even face it. Or God disappointed me. God let me down because this and this and this happened. And you're not looking to the Lord. You're looking somewhere else. You know, we can even look to good things. 
I, you know, you could, so I, 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 there's this song I like. I'm just looking to that song. The song always helps me. There's a preacher I like. There's this really young guy, Living Word, who loves to, I just look to him. He's going to guide me and he's going to tell me all the answers. Or, or there's my, my mom or my dad or my spouse or my husband. All, there might be really good things that you should look to, that you can look to for help. But ultimately, if you're going to radiate the glory of God, who's it got to look to? Those who look to the Lord will radiate. I want to end just with the, the scripture that we've named our little picnic after. Verse 8, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. I'm going to end with just some thoughts about the goodness of God. How many people prayed when they were young, God is good, God is great. Let us thank him for our food. Amen. Seriously, how many people prayed that? Yeah. How many people prayed, now I lay me down to sleep? I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, what was, who thought of that? Let's terrify a generation. I pray the Lord my soul to take. Or I pray that he keeps me alive until morning. Anyway, God is good. The goodness of God. You know, when the scripture talks about God being good, there are so many attributes of God. The, the, the theologians, the systematic theology guys, they, they categorize these attributes of God. If you're ever interested in just learning more about kind of who God is, there are some really, I, I used to love this. There's this little book called The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. And it's just a, short little chapters, like 15 chapters, but each chapter is a short chapter on all the different attributes of God. Right? The immutability. God doesn't mutate or God doesn't change. He never changes. Right? Well, there's a, there's a chapter and there's a body of work on the goodness of God. That when the Bible speaks about God being good, it's saying that's part of the intricate, unchanging nature of who he is. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That God is good means that God is kind. That God is compassionate. To say that the Lord is good is to say that he's hospitable and that he's welcoming. To say that the Lord is good is to say that he not only created us good, but he redeemed us in his goodness and he sustains us in his goodness. There's a lot of things that are not good in the world, but none of them are God. He is tender-hearted. God is sympathetic. God is inclined to bless. God is inclined to redeem. And to say that God is good means that God takes pleasure in your happiness. Not that happiness is our ultimate goal. But when we say taste and see that the Lord is good, that means that God is for you, not against you. God is with you. He's not abandoned you. To say, let's taste, let's just, let's just learn a little bit about God. 
It means that to encounter him is to encounter kindness and generosity and sympathy. And that his heart is inclined towards you. I just think that's so transforming because so many people think that God is not for me. God is judgmental. If all these bad things happen, how can God be good, right? That's the attack. But the reality is that God's goodness shines even in the midst of those attacks. That even a person like Paul, a blasphemer and a violent man, can find mercy. Because the scripture says that it's at God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I'd say that goodness is available to us today, to you. And that goodness is available to all that we would invite onto our parking lot and all who you would encounter in your daily life. And that for his praise to always be on your lips is for you to say, you know what, Lord, I always, I always, I desire that I would always have a good word to speak of you. Praise is not always put to music. As a matter of fact, most of praise and worship happens outside of song. But when you encounter a situation and you bring a good word about God, or you see someone struggling and you call them up and you say, I want to pray for you because God's not forgotten you. He's good to you. And you pray in faith that God would deliver them from all their trouble. This is what it means that God is good. Even when we don't feel it, speak it. Believe it. God will come to you. And I believe this year, as we celebrate in the parking lot, with hospitality in mind, with devotion to God and love for others, preferring others in line and in the parking lot and anywhere else, there'll be a testimony of the kindness and the love and the goodness of God. And I believe and I'm praying that through this year, we'll see some people come to Jesus and be added to our number. Amen? Amen. Stand with me. Father God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for today, Lord, of all the people that contributed and encouraged, Lord, that we would be filled in our hearts with faith, God, with encouragement, and with a good word about you. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to put this into practice even now, that your praise will ever be on our lips, that even today we would have a good word to speak about you, a good word to speak to you. As we're walking along, we just speak gratitude and, Lord, your goodness. And, Lord, a good word to speak to someone else. God is faithful. That God loves even those who don't love him. That God redeems and he saves. That no sin and no sinner is beyond his hand, the powerful hand of redemption. And that Jesus is alive, doing good to his people and calling the world to himself. Lord, help us, God. Give us words for that. Take away our fear and give us joy in our declaration. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Have a great week, y'all. We'll see you next week.